48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Health officials warn that a COVID cluster centering on a Tunmun restaurant is expanding with another 10 people infected. An infectious disease expert says it's safe for two top officials who've tested positive for coronavirus to attend next week's inauguration. And CLP submits a preliminary report on the blackout earlier this week in which about 160,000 households lost power. A COVID cluster that broke out at a Tunmun restaurant has grown. As Priscilla Ng reports, seven more customers and three close contacts have now come, and come down with the virus. Chuang Shukwan from the Centre for Health Protection said in total, 33 people who visited the Victoria Harbour restaurant earlier this month and four close contacts have so far tested positive. She said 19 environmental samples taken from the restaurant earlier had all come back negative and officers from the Electrical and Mechanical Services Department are investigating whether the ventilation is up to standard. In total, the city logged 1,721 new local infections for the day, as well as 139 imported cases. Meanwhile, Dr. Truong declined to provide details about the infections of incoming Chief Secretary Eric Chan and Mainland and Constitutional Affairs Chief Eric Tsang, who tested positive for the coronavirus yesterday. She also refused to say whether there could be a cluster of cases at the government headquarters. I will not comment on individual sporadic cases. The CHP's Chuang Shukwan ending that report by Priscilla Ng. Meanwhile, infectious disease expert Lung Chi Chu says it will be safe for Eric Chan, Chan and Eric Chang to attend the new administration's July 1st inauguration if they can each obtain two negative PCR tests taken 24 hours apart before next week's event. Dr Leung said authorities should also consider asking guests to do rapid tests on the day of the inauguration and that stringent measures should be put in place at the venue to prevent transmission. I don't think it will be a good idea for the officers and for the guests to uh, remove the mask, to have reception or for toasting, I think, uh, during the ceremony. Uh, it should keep the ceremony to be uh, as simple as possible, just retain all the essential uh, ceremonies, and so that mixing and uh, high-risk exposure can, can be kept to a minimum. Senior counsel and ex-co member Ronnie Tong says the government should consider allowing Eric Chan and Eric Chung to take their oaths of office through video link if they don't recover before July 1st. He said the judiciary accepts testimony in that fashion. Mr Tong said the alternative would be to allow the incoming officials to fully recover before taking office and let their deputies stand in until then. Since we're only talking about a matter of days and, uh, you know, that there will be a deputy available, I don't think the fact that you know, if two or even more officials were unable to take the oath on the 1st of July, he would affect the operation of the Hong Kong ICR government at all. CLP says it submitted a preliminary report to the government over the Cable Bridge fire on Tuesday, which led to a widespread blackout in New Territories West. As Priscilla Ng reports, the power firm said it didn't detect any abnormalities before the blaze broke out. CLP said the power grid in the Tinshui Wai Yunlong and Tunmun areas was operating normally before the fire broke out, and it's still conducting a probe to find out what triggered the blaze. It said it prioritized restoring power to hospitals and railway services after the outage so that basic and emergency services could be resumed as soon as possible. 
power supply was then restored to other users in phases. The blackout on Tuesday and Wednesday morning affected more than 160,000 households, and the government has ordered CLP to submit a full report within two weeks. For now, the firm said it has laid and activated a high-voltage replacement cable to reinforce its power supply capability and enhance the reliability of the power system in the region. It added it's also laying two other cables and aims to complete the works by Tuesday. The district court has acquitted a chauffeur of inciting others to attack police officers, saying he was just venting his anger in a text to a chat group during anti-extradition protests in 2019. The court heard the 43-year-old made a remark about using a machete after he saw an officer raise a gun on the news. The judge, Douglas Yao, said the defendant didn't send the message to an anti-government chat group for one for traffic information. On to the weather for tonight and tomorrow, mainly fine with a minimum temperature of about 28 degrees. It'll be very hot tomorrow, apart from some isolated showers with a high of about 33 degrees. Currently 29 degrees Celsius, humidity 75%. The very hot weather warning is in effect. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. In Macau, the number of COVID-19 cases has now risen to 170 as the gambling hub continues a mass testing exercise. That story from Frank Jung. As more cases were reported in Macau, officials there warned that those who fail to comply with a mass testing order would see their health code turn yellow. That means they would not be allowed to enter public premises, use public transport, or leave the SAR. They will also be sent by police to designated spots to undergo COVID testing. The authorities have placed more than 5,800 people under medical observation due to their links with confirmed COVID patients. A range of venues, including cinemas, karaoke's and bars, have been ordered to close in a bid to contain the outbreak, but casinos are allowed to stay open. Macau's chief executive Ha Yat Singh has described the outbreak involving the Omicron subvariant BA.5.1 as severe and complicated. The head of an education concern group has called on the Hong Kong Examinations and Assessment Authority to find an alternative mode of assessment for Hindi and Urdu after the body announced that the languages would be dropped as Diploma of Secondary Education subjects from 2025. The DSC is key to university entrance. Mervyn Chung from the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group cited figures showing that at least 50 students took exams in Urdu and Hindi in the last academic year, compared to just eight who took exams in German and 18 who were assessed in Spanish. Speaking on RTHK's Back Chat program, he said Hong Kong is an international city with thousands of ethnic minority students and their cultures and languages should be respected. I think one ready channel might be for the HAEA to liaise and collaborate with the local universities, because all of them do have a, langu- a you know, very sophisticated language center. So I think some kind of collaboration can be struck between the higher education sector and also the HAEA. Because uh, even if uh, you know, some kind of specialist manpower is to be engaged, the universities, especially the public universities, are in a very solid position to do so. So why not try that? John Say, the executive director of Unison, which campaigns for racial equality in Hong Kong, called on the HKEAA to be more proactive in finding alternative modes of assessment in the subjects. The chief executive of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, Nicholas Aguzin, has revealed that some 180 companies have applied to a list with the bourse, saying the fundraising market is warming up. Speaking after a listing ceremony, the stock exchange chief also said he hopes the dispute between regulators in China and the U.S. over audits of mainland companies can be resolved. 
I would love to see a resolution to that matter. We want companies to be able to list every, anywhere in the world. So listing in the US, listing in uh, Europe, in any other place is something that I think is very positive for the world. It is also in the long term something very positive to HKEX because the more connections there are around the world, the better. Now in the short term, of course, you may say, okay, but if, if, if companies go to the US, they don't come to Hong Kong. That's fine, but what we're focused on is on increasing the connectivity between East and West. The more there is, the better in our point of view. So, so we are supportive of the negotiations. We hope they get to a good place. Australia, sorry, China's envoy to Australia says China's policy of friendly cooperation towards Australia remains unchanged. China is Australia's largest trading partner, but diplomatic relations have been strained in recent years after Canberra called for an international inquiry into the origins of the coronavirus, banned telecommunications giant Huawei from building a 5G network and screened foreign investment for national security risks. Ambassador Xiao Xiao was speaking at the Australia-China Relations Institute of the University of Technology in Sydney. The recent years of our relationship has been a difficult period, undeniably. Nonetheless, China's policy of friendly cooperation towards Australia remains unchanged. And looking into the future, China-Australia relations enjoy great potential for cooperation and a bright prospect. Turning overseas, Ukraine appears on the verge of losing one of the last two big cities it controls in its easternmost region, Severodonetsk in Luhansk. The regional governor, Serhai Haidai, had said troops resisting Russia's long-running assault on the city have been ordered to withdraw. One Ukrainian journalist has reported that overnight some had already left the industrial zone they've been defending. The Ukrainian lawmaker and former Deputy Prime Minister Ivana klimpush Tsintsadze confirmed the withdrawal. I think it was important in order to not repeat the tragedy of Mariupol as we saw it uh, unfolding and to ensure that our capable armed forces are not ending up as prisoners of war and are not put in the dire conditions that they will not be able to be helped by others and uh, de-blocked. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has said Russia's war against Ukraine will cause another 40 to 50 million people in the world to go hungry. Speaking in Germany ahead of the G7 summit, Mr. Blinken said there was no other reason for food shortages than Russia's blockade of Ukraine and its refusal to export grain for political reasons. The British Prime Minister has said his government must listen to voters' concerns following two crushing by-election defeats, but he added he'd keep going. Boris Johnson attributed the results to the rising cost of living. But the BBC correspondent said the problem is due in large part to dissatisfaction with Mr Johnson. The leader of the main opposition Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer, said the result showed his party would become the next government. The Tory party is absolutely imploding. Um, they know they're out of ideas. And now we've had the sort of swing that puts us on track, not just for a Labour government, but for a majority Labour government. And stargazers will be able to catch sight of an extremely rare event over the next few days as five planets in our solar system line up in the night sky. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn will appear in a row in what's, called, what's known as a planetary conjunction, which should be visible to the naked eye. Lucy Green is a professor of physics at University College in London. The planets will differ in their brightness. 
So Venus is brighter than Jupiter. If you have a small telescope, then you might be able to make out some of the largest moons of Jupiter. So if you've got some kit, it's definitely worth taking it out and having a look. But binoculars might be your best bet because you won't have too long before the sun rises and the view gets washed out. Sport now and for a recap of this week's football news, here's the BBC's John Wilkinson. Sadio Mane's move from Liverpool to Bayern Munich was the big news of the week, unquestionably. The 30-year-old has just enjoyed a brilliant season. Senegal won the Africa Cup of Nations with his decisive penalty. They reached the World Cup too, but it's in his 269 games for Liverpool that he has consistently dazzled, worked tirelessly and scored a lot of goals. Bayern Munich's staff, players and fans are absolutely delighted. He comes cheap at an initial €32 million. Euros. Also this week, West Ham brought in the Morocco defender Nayef Aguer for a significant fee. They hope he's a missing piece in the puzzle of breaking into the Premier League's top six once again. Vieira is a name synonymous with Arsenal's success. That was Patrick. Their new midfielder is Fabio. They've spent €40 million Euros on the up-and-coming Porto star, whilst Newcastle have plenty of cash to splash around these days thanks to their new Saudi Arabian owners. They continue to invest wisely, though. Goalkeeper Nick Pope is a quality addition from Burnley. And all of this comes in a week in which the build-up to the Women's European Championships picks up pace. The pick of the friendlies involve two of the tournament favourites, France play Cameroon and Spain take on Australia. The BBC's John Wilkinson there. Cricket now and Trent Bolt took three wickets as Australia, as England slumped to 91 for six after 19 overs on the second day of the third test. England last week went 2-0 up in the three-match series, playing bold and aggressive cricket under their new leadership pair of captain Ben Stokes and test coach Brendan McCullum, a former New Zealand skipper. But replying to, world, to test world champions New Zealand's first innings of 329, England lost six wickets within 12 overs at Headingley. And West Indies captain Craig Braithwaite won the toss again and put Bangladesh into bat on the opening day of the second and final test at the Darren Sami Stadium in St Lucia. On a surface expected to offer considerable assistance to the faster bowlers, the home side left out left-arm spinner Gudakesh Motye, who made his debut in the first test, with fast-medium bowler Anderson Phillips stepping up to make his debut as part of an all-pace attack. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Health officials warn that a COVID cluster centering on a Chunmun restaurant is expanding, with another 10 people infected. An infectious disease expert says it's safe for two top officials who've tested positive for COVID to attend next week's inauguration. And CLP submits a preliminary report on the blackout earlier this week in which about 160,000 households lost power. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 Oh well, look at him now
heart, it breaks my 